Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome uh, to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt. If you're listening in for the first time, welcome, as usual. Uh, so excited and honored that you would choose to just spend the next few minutes wrestling through and with some things that we think really matter as a community. Today, we're going to continue on in our series of talks that we've been in for the last few weeks now entitled The Bible and Sexuality, and I think you can probably understand that these two things matter, and many of us have interactions and thoughts around either one of these things, and for us as a community, we're spending a few weeks going through it because we really want to zoom out and have some broader conversations about these two concepts and hopefully create a framework and hopefully find ourselves uh, with a more beautiful, uh, life-giving, healthy way to approach and understand these two things of the Bible and sexuality. And so if you are just jumping in for the first time, welcome. But I also want to say uh, I would encourage you to potentially go back and listen to what we've talked to up to this point, because this really is a building series on some ideas and thoughts. But today, what I want to do and, t- and what I want to talk about is really uh, starting to kind of land the plane. We've talked about broader, bigger concepts of what is God and what is the Bible and what is the point of all of this. Uh, but today I want to start talking about some some practical things and hopefully uh, give some, some tools maybe that would help you in your journey forward uh, just in life, but then also specifically with these concepts of the Bible and sexuality and how we go about it. Ultimately, what this series has been about <clears throat> up to this point, as you probably know, is me kind of wrestling through and talking about this statement or this thesis of where I am and where I believe uh, the Bible invites us to be with this concept of sexuality. And the statement is this, that I believe the scriptures invite us to fully affirm and embrace our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, and that this is a healthy and important approach to our spirituality and life. Now, as you can probably understand, there's a lot of re- different responses to a statement like that. But for me in my own journey, it's been interesting to hear how people react to a statement like that, to choose to be someone that is open and affirming of those in the LGBTQ community. But there's these statements out there of people that will say, okay, Matt, if you say something like that, if you believe something like that, then you must know more than the Bible. Because they see the Bible as saying uh, these specific verses that condemn, in their mind, this idea of homosexuality. And so anything outside of that heterosexual relationship is something that the Bible speaks against. And so for me to have this view means that I've abandoned the Bible. And it means that I put myself, my own thoughts, views, and opinions above the scriptures. Or how many of us have heard a statement like this, that if you affirm uh, sexuality outside of heterosexual relationships, then you are just a sailboat blown about by whatever new thinking there is. And that you're just someone that is just on this cultural train of wherever the the masses are going, you're going to go there. In other words, you don't have your own brain and your own thinking that you bring to it. You're just along for the ride with everybody else. Or how many of us have heard this? That to be open and affirming means that you are just a snowflake that is willing to abandon foundational truths for what feels good. And that you're not willing to put your foot down and believe in truth. You're just going by empathy or just by your heart. 
Now, all of these statements, whether you've abandoned the scriptures or you're just a sailboat or you're a snowflake, whatever it is, they really come down to this concept of authority, of where we find and lean into authority for our lives. And for many of us, particularly those of us that grew up within a conservative Christian home, this concept or idea of authority can be troubling because we grew up with this idea that the Bible was the ultimate authority or that God was this man in the sky that was dictating our every uh, deed or action, good and bad, in our lives. And as we've been uh, up to this point in this series, we've talked about, okay, what is God? And, and maybe that God isn't this man in the sky that's dictating everything. And what is the Bible? And, and the Bible is not this rule book that we're to do everything black and white that it says. So if that's, not, if that's the case, then where do we find authority to speak into what is good and true and beautiful? How are we to find the best way forward and what authority is speaking into our lives for that? Because I personally don't want to find myself within some kind of bubble where I'm missing out on reality. I'm living in denial of something that's actually true for the sake of just my own confirmation bias, just what I think and what I believe. But I think there's an important role that authority would have to speak into my life and speak into our lives and directions to find this good, true, beautiful way forward for ourselves. So what is authority? And for me, I like this picture, this idea that authority would be seen as a balance. That you've probably seen those old school balances. It's like two plates or two small bowls that are suspended by chains that are attached to an arm at the top that then you need to make sure that there's equal weight within each of these plates or bowls, and it's at that point that you find balance. We've all seen that picture of a balance before, I'm sure. And so when I look at this idea of a balance and what authority looks like, it's making sure that there are these two big elements in my life and they're balanced and understanding that those two things would have authority to speak into my life for what is good, true, and beautiful. And the first thing within this balance, the first plate or bowl, is what I would call personal growth. I believe that you have a voice and that you, in your voice, are invited to speak as someone with authority to your life and to what is good, true, and beautiful. That you have a role to play. And this is something that is pretty new within culture and society because historically what we've always seen is that there is the mass population of people and then there are the elite few at the top. There's the king or the queen. There's the governors, the people that are dictating and the authorities in everybody else's life telling how they're supposed to live their life. We see this within religion as well, that there's the pastors or the priests that are speaking into everybody else's life and you're supposed to go about your life in the way that they tell you to do it. Well, I believe that there's this thing within our humanity that leans into this belief that, that okay, maybe there is outside leadership and insight and thought, but at the same time that you, in and of yourself, you carry authority and a voice, a weight, a significance to who you are. 
I think we see this within stories that are told throughout the last thousands and thousands of years. Stories of a pauper becoming a prince or this no-name person becoming queen or king. There's these fairy tale stories that we've all connected with at different points. It's the story of this farmer boy on the planet Tatooine becoming a Jedi master. His name is Luke. And we connect with these stories because there's something in us that likes the thought that I'm just, I'm not just a nobody. I'm not just somebody that is being dictated to how my life is supposed to go, but that I actually have a role to play and I have a voice for finding what is good and true and beautiful. We see this even as kids when we were, when we were um, being told what to do by our parents, these authorities in our life. For me personally, it came in these moments of cleaning the house, doing chores around the house for my parents. And I always had this thought of, I'm pretty sure this is the reason my mom and dad had kids is so they didn't have to vacuum, they didn't have to dust, they didn't have to mow the lawn. And, and for me, dreaming about the day when I would have kids and I would be able to dictate to them, no, it's your turn to dust, it's your turn to clean and to mow the lawn. This is, there's something in our humanity that likes the idea that we would be in a position and a place of authority. I believe that that's something good, that you see yourself in that place. And I believe and even see that to be found within the story of Christ. That we see Jesus communicating to a crowd of people, and it's this hodgepodge group of people from all different socioeconomic classes and backgrounds and religions and places in life. And he communicates and says things like, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, that you are a city on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. There's something significant and sacred about who you are. You have something to bring to the table. The early followers of Christ, the church, they would call themselves the body of Christ. And within this image, it was this idea that a body is made up of all these different parts and pieces. You have fingers and you have a knee and you have a chin and cheeks and nose, all these individual pieces. But the weight, the power and significant comes when all of these individual pieces are together and see the significance of each individual piece. That's what's powerful that we see everybody has a role to play. I see Jesus continually throughout the Gospels interacting with people that were on the outskirts of society, the crippled, the lame, the beggar. And what does he do? These people that do not have a voice and do not have authority culturally, Jesus stops and has a conversation with them and he would ask this question to them, validating their voice validating their authority. And he asks this question, what can I do for you? And he chooses to see and hear and respond to them. In other words, wherever you are and whatever's going on, there is a voice that you have and it matters. Now, this is something that the internet in our culture has brought to the forefront, that everybody can make a post, everybody can communicate their voice and has a platform through social media. There's something good about that. But as we all know and see, there's a tendency for everybody to have a voice to only live within, as I mentioned earlier, some kind of confirmation bias or some kind of bubble where they only see what they want to see. They only read and experience what they want to read and experience and, and they are missing out potentially. We are missing out on reality. So first and foremost, it's important to note that you have a voice and it matters. But the question is, so how do we make sure that this voice, that my voice is not one that is just found within my own small little world, but I'm finding myself actually dealing in reality. And this is where the authority of personal growth comes alive for me. That I see I'm invited to continually grow and in that growth that my voice would have authority. 
I find it significant that there's these early writings within the church, particularly in the book of Philippians within the New Testament, where this church leader, this writer of this letter, he's on his way out the door. He's been an authority in this church's and community's life. And he says this on his way out. This is Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's something to that for me, that there's this idea that I, this authority is leaving. And what he's saying is continue to do the thing that I taught you, to continue to do the thing that matters, and that's you, that you personally would continue to wrestle with this stuff. You personally would work out your own salvation, work through your own spirituality and life with fear and trembling, that this stuff matters. And it's not just about listening to an outside, of author, outside authority, but to understand that you have something significant in who you are and how you're growing and progressing. He goes on and he says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is what God, this is what the divine is up to, that you and I would continue to wrestle through with this stuff. So the question is, how do we wrestle through this stuff in a healthy way? that isn't found in some kind of confirmation bias, isn't found in living in some kind of bubble that's denying reality, but we're actually finding a healthy way forward in our own personal growth. Well, for me, there's this concept known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral that's been helpful to, to stay centered in something that I think uh, keeps me away from this confirmation bias. And the Wesleyan quadrilateral revolves around four things. These four things would be a filter for how originally he was talking about how you perceive or hear the voice of God and make sure that you're not someone that's living out in left field in crazy town, but that you're staying centered in reality. And those four things are this, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. That these four things being brought to the table, they matter for our own personal growth and making sure we're staying centered in reality, what is good and true and beautiful. In other words, I want to be someone that's continually growing in scripture. And for some of us, for some of you listening to this, uh, the idea of the Bible or scriptures being an authority in our life is something that is uh, just pretty out there, and you maybe you've got hurt and baggage, or you just don't even want to touch the Bible with a 10-foot pole. Well, here's what I encourage you to do. There, that there would be some kind of outside wisdom that you're choosing to lean into. I talked about it last week. The scriptures are still this outside wisdom for me personally to lean into in many ways. But for you, is there some text and some wisdom that you're choosing to find and lean into? And that there would be some depth and roots to it, some meaning to it, that you can wrestle with what it is and what it isn't, and allow it to speak into your life and your own personal growth. That that's a part of that. And the scriptures for me, as I've mentioned, are a part of that, to wrestle through this stuff and figure out what it is and what it is not. But then it's not just taking what the Bible says and just going and doing that. It's not just taking this old wisdom tradition, whatever it is, and taking that and going and doing it, but it's connecting it to my personal growth and also attaching tradition or history. In other words, understanding and growing in my view that this is 2018 and I live in this small moment of time and that there is something 
bigger, way bigger than me and my own life that's happening here. And there is deep, deep roots and history that speak into this moment. And I want to be someone that grows in my understanding of what brought us to this moment. Because as any historian will tell you, we can't fully understand where we are and we can't fully understand the best and most beautiful way forward until we grasp where we've actually been. So I want to be someone that's continually growing in my understanding of history and tradition. On top of that, that we attach reason. We attach logic and we grow in this within our life. That I would be somebody that understands I have a brain and I'm invited to use it. And many times when it comes to this concept of authority and faith, faith can be seen as turning off your brain for the sake of what the Bible says or turning off your brain for the sake of, well, this is the way it's always been. I don't believe that's faith at all. I believe faith is seen that you have been given this incredibly beautiful thing known as a brain and that you and I would choose to lean into fully what we have been given. That faith is not a denial of your brain, it's an acceptance of it. It's a belief that your thinking matters. And faith is engaging your full self towards beauty and fruit. And so I attach reason to my own growth. Is this something that I'm growing in personally? And last but not least, experience. And your story matters. And where you've been and what you've experienced matters, and it speaks to our own personal growth. So I want to grow in experience and not just be found in the same place for the rest of my life, but be someone that is experiencing different things and growing in that. And many of us were handed a narrative potentially, particularly when it comes to Christianity of if you do A and if you do B, you will see the outcome of C. A plus B equals C. And we have this experience many times of, well, I did A and I did B, but I'm not seeing this outcome And for many of us, we were just told to shut off our own experience. There was something wrong and broken and messed up about who we were and to just keep on keeping on. I don't believe that that's a healthy way to go about your spirituality in life, but to understand that your experience matters and to grow in your experience speaks to your own personal voice and authority. And so for me, I want to be somebody that's consistently growing personally in these four areas. My understanding of scripture or outside wisdom, in my growth when it comes to tradition and history and understanding these things, my growth in reason and logic, and my growth in understanding experience that I'm writing about and I'm talking about what I'm experiencing. And I believe that if we can bring these four things and I consistently grow in these things, that there's an authority and a weight that that carries in my life and that these things would speak to what is good and true and beautiful and that my voice would matter in that. That this is what authority looks like for me to grow in these areas. But then as I mentioned, it's a balance. And that the other side of the balance would be what I would call Christ-like community. So one side of this balance is personal growth, that that's an authority in my life. But the second part of this balance would be Christ-like community. That also carries the weight of authority in my life. And what I mean by when it comes to Christ-like community is understanding that from the very beginning, this faith has been about groups of people gathering together to see the beauty and the significance within that community, learning to do life together in a more beautiful way. I think it's really significant and important to note that Jesus didn't leave a book. 
He didn't leave a pamphlet. He didn't even leave a three by five card and said, just revolve all of your life around this. No, he left his spirit and he invited people to gather and he used language like when people get together in my name for this common good and purpose of a more beautiful way, the divine God is there. He invited those around him consistently into community. The idea is that there would be a Christ-like community in your life that would carry authority and weight for who you are and where you're headed. I love the way Phyllis Tickle talks about this in her book, The Great Emergence. She talks about this transition of authority being something that's found outside of yourself in one sole entity or person, a king or a pastor, priest, something like this, and being found within this community context. And she uses the example of community being like the internet. That the internet is not a single thing. It's a network of individual things. So if you think about it, the internet does not solely exist within one computer, or there's not one server out there in the world that holds the entire internet. But the internet in its significance and weight is what it is because of the connectedness of all these individual computers and servers working together, transferring information. And in that, we have the power of the World Wide Web. And so Phyllis Tickle, she talks about this idea that the truth or authority isn't found in just a single entity or person. It's found in the collection, the connection of people. She says this, so the duty or the challenge, the joy and excitement of the church and for the Christians who compose her then is in discovering what it means to believe that the kingdom of God is within one and in, an, in, in understanding that one is there, thereby a pulsating, vibrating bit in a much grander network. Neither established human authority nor scholarly or priestly discernment alone can lead, because being human, both are trapped in space and time and therefore prevented from a perspective of total understanding. Rather, it is how the message runs back and forth over and about the hubs of the network that it is tried and amended and tempted or tempered into wisdom and right action for affecting the Father's will. This is the beauty of the church and community being an authority and a space to speak to what is good, true, and beautiful when we are connected within a network of people that are all pursuing this good, true, beautiful work. There's authority there for me. And the way that we define this idea of Christ-like community within CMYK, if you've been around for very long or been listening to this, you've probably heard these statements. The Christ-like community is this. It's a space where we are present, we are honest, we are working to be open, and to be love and be loved, to be this embodiment of love, present, honest, open, and love. This is what we are as the CMYK community. And it's in this work together as we're doing these things that I believe the people around me would be able to speak into my life as an authority. And this is obviously found within the CMYK community. It's why I love this thing. Uh, But simultaneously, obviously, there are people that are outside of the CMYK community that I see, whether we disagree on certain beliefs or practices or ideas, concepts, whatever it is, that if we're working to be present, and I see this person being honest and open to things outside of themselves and being the embodiment of love, this is something that I connect with, and they have authority to speak into my life. Obviously, if someone that I know and I'm doing life with is not present, is not being honest, is not being open or working to be the embodiment of love, it's difficult for me to see that person have authority in my life. So 
whoever they are and whatever's going on, and this is uniquely in my life found within the CMYK context, that there is this weight that is found. So what that means is that there is community around me that I've connected myself to that is challenging me, that is pushing me. So many of you within the CMYK community, you encourage me and you, you push me towards things that I would possibly never be pushed towards on my own, but it's all this authority that's working for me to find this more beautiful way. This is one of the reasons I believe that this idea of a church, or specifically, again, my context, a CMYK community, that we work to be a growing community. It's not about numbers, it's not about ego and trying to make something bigger, but it's about working to connect more and more people into this network and into this authority in my life because there are individual voices and stories and experiences that matter and would speak and help me to become a more Christ-like, centered person. This is why we work to invite more and more people into this thing that they would have authority in our lives. And so we come to this concept of sexuality. And my own personal journey in wrestling through this reconciling of what the Bible says and what sexuality is and wrestling through these kinds of things, what's the authority that's going to speak to it? Well, for me, it's this balancing act of my own personal growth and bringing, yes, what scripture says and working to understand that, but also tradition, also history, reason, and experience, that that's an authority and a weight that I'm working to grow in these things. And so I'm moving myself towards what's good, true, and beautiful, and simultaneously seeing this balancing act of there's community and people around me. They don't all just believe like me, they don't all just talk like me or act like me, but that we actually have debate and conversation, and it's in that connectedness that I'm being pushed forward within this concept. And what that does for me is when it comes to the specific topic of sexuality, it's something that I can explore. We can ask questions. We can figure out together. And I can work to grow in my own personal journey on these things and not be fearful or worried that there's some outside authority that I'm going to piss off and I'm going to be in trouble with. See, many times when just an authority is simply and only something outside of ourselves, like this God, man in the sky, or this Bible text, rule book, do everything by this book or else, we live in this place of being fearful to talk about new things or new ideas and concepts. So when it came to, for me personally, this concept of sexuality, I, I grew up and yeah, you have this traditional heterosexual monogamy, but then there were these conversations about people that were lesbians or gay, and all of a sudden... It was like, okay, we got to wrestle through that. And then, it, and then it felt like, okay, now we're adding more things to the mix when it comes to sexuality. So now all of a sudden there's bisexual, there's queer, there's transsexual. And you, and you can start to get a little nervous of like, well, where does this end? And being fearful, like we got to control this thing and figure it out. Well, no, I have these authorities in my life that whatever's coming in front of me, whether it's LGBTQ or whether it's asexual, pansexual, questioning, whatever it is, that these authorities can continue to speak into that and help me find the most beautiful way forward. This isn't just me and Matt Blakesley and my ideas, but these are me leaning into these authorities to figure this stuff out. This is what I believe is a healthy approach to spirituality and life. So the question sometimes comes up, well, what do you do then in the midst of this Christ-like community? What do you do in the, with these kinds of authorities when there's adamant disagreement, when you're just not going to see eye to eye with somebody? Do we need to cut off relationship within that community, go find a different church and just be done? Or is there a different, better way? 
And for me, when I look at the early church, there's some language that has been really, really helpful for me in understanding how the church can still be an authority in my life, even in the midst of disagreement. There's this moment that's recorded within the letter of 1 Timothy, where this pastor, this leader is on his way out again, and he's communicating to this community about what he hopes to see happen. This is 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting verse 3. He says, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So in other words, he's saying, I'm on my way out the door and I don't want you to, I don't want you to lose the plot. I don't want you to get caught up in myths and endless genealogies, things that don't really matter, but make sure you stay on target for what actually matters, what the stewardship from God that is by faith is. So what is it? He goes on, verse five, he says, the aim of our charge, the target of this whole thing, the the plot that we're to be about, he says, is love. Love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith, or I would say that's present, honest, and open. He says, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion designed to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Here's what I see happening. This leader is communicating to this church and saying, there is this work that we have and it is to be the embodiment of love. And there's gonna be a tendency within communities for you to get caught up in vain discussions in myths, in genealogies, in wrestling through specific theological ideas that maybe there might be disagreement on and you can go round and round and round and round and round about. But do not be somebody, he's saying, that gets lost and you miss the point of all of this because the aim of our charge is love. And we see that love is only a giving force. And for me, there's this personal connection around this picture and the story of Christ breaking his body open and shedding his blood on the cross. It's this idea that Christ broke himself open and poured himself out for the suffering of the world. This is love. And that I, Matt Blakesley, would be invited into that same story and the community, this Christ-like community, would be invited into that same embodiment of love, that we are breaking ourselves open and pouring ourselves out for the suffering of the world. That's the point of it. And so the church is this authority, this Christ-like community is this authority that continues to speak to me about what the plot is, what the aim of our charge is, and where I'm to continually find my life. Yes, there's going to be disagreement. Yes, there's going to be discussions and things that we might not land on the same page on, whether it's politically or theologically or lifestyle, whatever it is. But at the end of the day that we come to this table, specifically at our CMYK gatherings, we come to this table where bread is broken and a cup is shared to remind ourselves of this communion, this connection, this charge that we are all picking up once again and saying, this is what we are about that there would be an authority continually speaking into my life, focusing me and reminding me of what all of these things are about. So yes, the church, my Christ-like community is beautiful because there are so many people that adamantly disagree with me on some things. And one of the most powerful things for me continually within the CMYK journey is to break bread and share this cup with them. To know, man, we could spend hours debating on things, but at the end of the day, we come back to this table 
And we pick up this story and this narrative of this is what matters, that we're present, we're honest, we're open, and now we're going to go and work to be the embodiment of love for our community, for our families, for our neighbors, for our friends. This is what we do. And that's an authority in my life. So as we wrap this up, the question I would have for you is, what does authority look like for you? And maybe this picture of a balance of seeing you're someone that's continually personally growing in these areas of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And this balance of seeing that personal growth and your own voice brought into some kind of community. Are you somebody that's growing personally? Are you somebody that's connected yourself to a community, like truly and honestly brought your voice to a community, not just following something online, but physically in a space with somebody where you are breaking bread and reminding yourself, this is what we are about and this is what matters. And for some of us, that's the CMYK gathering. For others of you, it's probably a family or neighbors or friends that you're connecting yourself to. But these authorities matter in my life that we leave wherever we are, and we engage today and this moment to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out for those suffering around us, that there is a more beautiful way. Because ultimately, I believe that whatever's ahead for our culture, whether it's within sexuality, sex, or gender, whether it's politics and our disagreements on those things and trying to figure figure out the best way and most beautiful way forward, I believe that there is these authorities that we can lean into and help us truly find and discover that, that we don't have to live in this place of frustration. We don't have to live in this place of isolation. I love you. I hope that's helpful for you as it's been for me. And um, we will be back next week. Just so you know, next week we're talking about what has been come to be called the clobber texts. We're going to look at these specific verses in the Bible that uh, bring up this topic of homosexuality and that many people use to clobber over the heads of other people as to why it's not okay uh, to see anything outside a heterosexual relationship. So uh, if that interests you, then make sure to uh, come back to this podcast next week. If there's anything that we can do for you, anything I can do for you, please reach out, let us know. Sure love you. We'll talk to you soon.